right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, May 14th, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, especially my wife, my daughter, my own mother, my sister, all the mothers out there. Have a happy day today, all of you. And we kick things off with some blessed death. Man, one of my all-time favorite bands. I was lucky enough to see those guys on one of the first shows they ever played when they were in the Battle of the Bands at Lemoore. And they just kind of took off after that. But as quickly as they started to rise, they also collapsed. I mean, Killer Be Killed from 1985 on Force Records. Probably one of my all-time favorite albums. They followed up with Destined for Extinction about two years later. It was a great record, but it just really didn't get the attention that it deserved. And within four or five years, the band just kind of fell apart. I know when they split up, they like three guys went off to play with a band called Death, not the Death that we know of, and the rest came out with a band called Chrome Lotus, I believe, or Locust. I'm not sure, something like that. Uh, but they were a solid act, and I kept hoping all these years they would get back together. We had the album, you know, Hour of Pain in 2006, but it was kind of like a one-off, offshoot type of thing. No real reunion there. It just didn't happen, and I kept hoping and hoping and hoping, but with Nick, uh, no, I think Jeff Anderson passed away in 2016, and uh, Larry kind of missing an action from the scene. I don't think it will ever happen, but never say never. We might get some sort of reunion one day. I'm looking forward to that happening if it does. Hey, but we got a great show for everybody today. Jamie Jaster from Haybreed. He's got his Milwaukee Metal Festival coming up in about 14 days. He wants to tell everybody all about that. And then my good friend Danny Hines from Weapon. They've got a brand new record out. We're going to talk to Danny all about that in the second half of the show. How about we uh, keep the music going right now? A little Shock Paris. Go down fighting.
All right, that was Brand New Metal Church. I've been trying to play that for the last three weeks uh, since I got it. And we just ran so late with guests the last couple of weeks that I figured, you know what? I better get it on now while I still can. I know, I'm still on the fence. I mean, I kind of like it. I'm more surprised with Mark Lope singing than I thought I was going to be. I like him in Ross the Boss's band. I wasn't really sure how he was going to fit in with Metal Church. Uh, but he does, I mean, he does kind of bring back that David Wayne vocal style, he's got a little bit of Mike Howe in there too, and himself, so I think he's doing a pretty good job, musically, I do hear some of the old sounds in there, but a lot of new stuff also, so I'm waiting to get the full record, for some reason, Rat Pack Records sends me a lot of PR stuff to put out there, but they never actually sent me the albums, so I'm going to have to wait for it to come out like everybody else, I guess, because they never actually sent me any promo copies, and before that, Agent Steel, 144,000 gone, what a great band, what an amazing album that comes off of, definitely one of my top 10. One week, uh, maybe over the summer, when we don't have any guests on the show, I'm going to just do like a whole show like my favorite records and my favorite songs. I'll bore the hell out of everybody for two hours, but we'll save it for when we have no guests on the show. We're kind of, I mean, we're like really double booked between now and almost the end of June, so it's going to be hard to get any more guests on than I can, but we'll do the best we can. We're going to get to Jamie Jasper in about 10 minutes. We'll do, uh, you know what, we'll do one more set of music, and then we'll get to that. Brand new Burning Witches, The Dark Tower. I actually like this record quite a bit. You know, some of the stuff before this, I was on and off the you know, fence with. I liked it. I didn't like it. But so far, I'm really enjoying this album. So let's get on a new song off of his, Unleash the Beast. <laughs>
Asylum, Iman had mentioned them last week, so you know what, I had to get them on. I've been playing the hell out of that record since last Sunday. I forgot just how great they are. Alright, we got to get to Jamie Jackson in a couple of minutes, and because I know my audience really isn't a hate-breed audience, you know, we'll play a hate-breed song after the interview, but we'll do something uh, from Ripper right now. You know, Jamie uh, wrote and produced this record for Ripper Owens. It's a really solid EP, and there's a whole record coming out soon, too. So, let's get that on, and then we will talk to uh, Jamie right after that. I was reading on Blabbermouth the other day, after I kind of scrolled through the 39 articles about drum cam footage from one drummer or another. That seems to be the favorite uh, article, is drum cam footage. Uh, but David Ellison was bitching about how pathetic Mustaine is, still bitching about his dismissal from Metallica for 40 years. I think Dave Ellison is mad because he's only got 10 years of bitching about being kicked out of Megadeth between the two times he was out of the band. So I think that's the only reason he's really upset because he needs 30 more years to catch up to the other Dave. But 
We'll see what's up with him later on. I think we're actually going to have him on the show real soon. Uh, him or Jeff Young, they're doing promotion for that, that band that got Kings of Thresh. So maybe I get them on here. We'll find out why the hell we even bothering with that. But All right, let's do some Ripper, and then we'll talk to Jamie Jaffs about Milwaukee Metal Festival right after this song. number to the phone <laughs> i apologize all good about that. all right i'm glad to talk to you man because you know you got a really big weekend coming up at the end of may 
I mean, you're the boss. Milwaukee Metal Festival is back. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. We're we're looking forward to it. We just hit our threshold to uh, to get to do it in again in 2024. Um, so I really appreciate you know you having me on and all, all the support from all the fans. It's it's been incredible so far. That, that's fantastic. I'm glad that it is going to keep coming back. I mean, it's been 10 years since the original you know Milwaukee Metal Festival. You know, you kind of bought the rights to it and took it over. I mean, you could have did a festival on any name you wanted to. Jasta Fest, you named it. You're well-known and big enough to, to do that. What was it about the importance of, you know, the Milwaukee Metal Festival itself and the name that you wanted to resurrect this and, and bring it back to life? It was just the last time I was at the rave. We, we did a Hatebreed show there with uh, Madball and Prong and Agnostic Front, and it was incredible, and I, I felt that void. You know, it's it's... It's always been one of the best shows on the tour, and, and Chicago's great too. And and even this last time in um, in Lacrosse and in um, Oshkosh, you know that area. And, and when we did um, Madison the last time, it's we we just played there with Anthrax and Black Label. That was incredible uh, in Oshkosh. I know that it just the roots run so deep out there, and so many people cut their teeth at the original. Milwaukee Metal Fest and, and bands like Hatebreed and Shadows Fall and Opeth and In Flames, we all kind of got that that inspiration from having the audience, you know, really give us a good welcome and a, and a good reaction. I, I know they say if you can make it in New York or if you can make it in L.A. or if you can make it in Chicago, you know, you, you can make it anywhere. And I, and I agree to that, too. But it was for a lot of metal and, and death metal and grindcore and, and, and heavy bands, it was like if you can have a good set at Milwaukee Metal Fest, you can have a good set anywhere. And so just wanted to fill that void. Everybody's heard of it. Everybody knows the infamy and just the legacy of the fest. And I thought now is a better time than ever to bring it back. Oh, I'm glad you did. I mean, I, just thinking about it, there's got to be over 100 bands on the bill by now, ranging from, you know, classic 80s metal to new metal to everything in between on there. I mean, the logistics of putting this together have to be enormous. I mean, you're trying to organize this many bands into three days of playing. I can't even imagine where you start. Yeah, it's, it's been a nightmare, actually. But we, I was talking to my partner, Tim, last night, and I said, if we get through this... It, the the reward will be worth the risk and um and we have set times coming out today which is that just doing the set times you know if the insurance wasn't a lot if the curation of the fest if sending out all the offers if dealing with the vendors the sponsors uh cre- you know creating all the merch designs if that wasn't enough the set times was the real kicker but i think we i think we got it to a really good place of course you can't make everybody happy i've done many festivals where my band has clashed you know with a band i wanted to see or uh, or a band that the fans have wanted to see but i think we kept the clashes to a minimum and uh, and again since we've we've hit that you know now we've hit that t- ticket threshold where um it, it, it'll be We'll be closer each day now. From now until the fest, we'll be closer and closer to our goal. And running this National Concert Week sale was was a great idea that the rave had. So we've seen a nice boost in that. So it's like that, that again, that risk is going to be worth the reward. And I, I urge anybody who's on the fence that still wants to travel out to uh, Milwaukee for Memorial Day weekend, you can go to therave.com slash metalfest. And yeah, you'll see everybody from original Biohazard to Dark Angel to Anthrax, Napalm Death, Suicidal Tendencies, Lamb of God, the Halo Effect, 
Revenge is coming down from Canada. Angela Zapatrita is coming over from uh, Spain. I just did a, I just recorded a song with them. If if my voice is sounding a little tired, but uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna be great, and we're gonna we're gonna hopefully lay the groundwork for the future festivals to come and and create some of the headliners of tomorrow with you know the the great undercard that we have with Frozen Soul and Undeath and Phobophilic and bands like uh, even even bands like um, Dead by Wednesday and Vended you know Corey Taylor's son's band is playing I mean we have a real diverse lineup Oh, absolutely. And I love what you just said. I think you're the first person I heard say that, you know, you already made it. You're an established artist and you're talking about, you know, we're going to you know, have the next headlines coming up with like Frozen Soul and bands like that. And I think this is something that's been forgotten that bands don't know how to pay it forward anymore. You know, when we're all gone, there has to be people coming up behind us to take over. And if nobody else is doing that, where are these bands coming from? And I love that you just said that, you know, we're preparing these guys to be the headliners for, you know, the, the upcoming festivals. Yeah, and where would I be without Slayer putting the ladder down, without Motorhead, you know, taking us under their wing and, and bringing us up to Canada and bringing us out to the Pacific Northwest and, and learning and watching Mickey D every day and watching Lemmy and watching Phil and, you know, the moves they're making and watching Kerry King and Tom Araya. And then, of course, even up till recently, uh, getting, you know, a real sort of second wind in our career with, with bands like uh, you know, two bands from the big four taking us out over the last three years, you know, with both Megadeth and Anthrax giving us a look. It's, I, I always wake up with gratitude, and, and I know it's, it's our job and our duty to do the same and put the ladder down for the next generation of bands. And, um, and, and I'm happy to do it, and I'm happy to take the risk because I think, again, going back to uh, what I was saying earlier is like the – eventually the reward will be worth it and um and we just got news that we also got the rights to march metal meltdown and so everybody who's busting my chops online saying you know why are you doing this in milwaukee bring this to the east coast we will for next march you know i'm happy to to say it here um it was a it was a festival that that we loved playing you know with hatebreed we, we did it with danzig we did it with sepultura i mean so there there's the future is bright and we're going to hit this peak with metal and heavy music right now. And yeah, it's high tide raises all ships and we're in it together. And I believe in abundance and I think there's enough to go around for everybody. True. I mean, looking at this lineup, I mean, was there anybody that you really wanted to get for this? You're, you're, you're like inaugural one of this festival that you just couldn't land. Yeah. I mean, we, we really tried for Sodom uh, they were a big part of the original festival, and they haven't been here in so long. And they're another one of the great uh, Teutonic Four, or, or you know, even worldwide. If you look at the worldwide thrash picture, they're one of those bands that really stayed true throughout all the years. And and if anything, have gone even harder in their later years. And we've seen it, I think, in the states where. And I and I love these these legacy tours. Don't get me wrong. Like I know, I know when Exodus takes out uh, Death Angel or, or Testament takes out Exodus and Death Angel or Overkill goes out on tour, I love that. But, yeah, I would like to see more bands teaming up from different generations. And even though we didn't get Sodom, we got Dark Angel and Violence, and then we have Warbringer and Toxic Ruin. And so we have all generations of Thrash on the Friday and the Saturday. And then even on the Sunday – we have uh, multiple generations of death metal 
Um, and I guess that could be said for the Saturday as well. But, but yeah, that Sodom was the one that we really try to we we, we will try to get for 2024. Um, and then, you know, we tried for propane with that. I thought that would be really cool to have on there with biohazard um, or, or and or the crumb suckers who who you know I know they've reunited in the in the you know the past decade, but not they they didn't do any Midwest shows. Yeah. So something like that would be fun and would be cool and would be different um, because you're not going to see biohazard or propane on, on some of these other festivals, especially the more underground metal festivals. You might see them on a blue Ridge or you might see them on um, one of the hardcore festivals, which, you know, Hatebreed has, has played many of those and, and is always a great time, but, but those are also East coast, you know? So, the Midwest is getting a real treat with getting the OG biohazard and yeah, we're already talking about 2024. So as long as the, con- as long as the, con- the criticism is constructive, I say, Hey, keep it coming because we're, we're, it's our first year back and without the rave, the team at the rave, the team at sound talent and all the great booking agents who gave us these ideas and pushed for their bands you know, we we wouldn't have this awesome lineup. So I, I really got to give them the credit, and and hopefully this will be the you know the first of many years to come. You know, if it wasn't enough for just like I said, Lamb of God and Anthrax and Suicide, you got Biohazard, but the original lineup. I mean, getting back together, that's going to be just incredible alone. And when you go through that day, I mean, you got Corrosion, Dying Fetus, Dark Angel. What a great mix. You know, and I, and I think people have come so far today that, you know, the old school metalheads, they, they want to hear the newest stuff too because that's where we're going. And I, I just think you really got a great mix of music over the three days. And when you think about it, the average price of a ticket is about 100 bucks. It's costing more than that to go see Metallica play for two hours. And you're getting 20 yeah. bands a day, and a minimum of 20 bands a day. That's like $5 a band. That's cheaper than it was in the 80s. Yeah, and right now with this National Concert Week sale it's great to give some added value for those who are on the fence. And um, I was just looking at ticket prices for Pantera and ticket prices for Mastodon and Gojira. And these are two and three band bills where if you want to get on the floor or if you want to do the meet and greet package, you're, you're like you said, you're paying that just for a couple hours of music. Whereas this is, um, this is at least 10 headliners each day who could easily, you know, pack a thousand cap club on their own. And then, um, and then we have reentry until 6 PM. Plus we have vendors, food trucks, and we're even going to have some live podcasts. We just confirmed Chris Garza, who does a great podcast called the Garza show, which you can find on YouTube. And he has a recent episode with, a, with one of these bands who are really poised to be one of our top tier bands in the future. They're called Sanguasugabog and they're on century media. And, uh, and we're going to have Rob Dukes, a former Exodus frontman. He has a great podcast called Put Up Your Dukes. And then my podcast will be there doing a live uh, show for the fans as well. So, yeah, we're urging people to get there early. We have meet-and-greet packages at martyrstore.net, and we have uh, three-day, single-day, and two-day passes, plus VIPs, uh, and much more at therave.com slash metalfest. And it's going to be an amazing weekend, Jamie. I mean, can you imagine that it's 30 years almost since Hatebreed started? I mean, I remember going back to like 94 and saying, you know, the, the tradition left in the 80s kind of died out. Grunge took over. Then you guys came along, and it was the start of a whole new scene. 
I mean, it was a little bit old, a little bit of new, all mixed together. Did you realize back then that you were kind of in the forefront of creating something that was relatively new, even though the band started out with their hardcore roots? And I remember going to Connecticut many times in the 80s to the Brickenwoods to see a lot of great bands. I don't know what happened to that place back then, but, you know, it was just an amazing scene. But you guys were sort of like, you know, the godfathers of like this new scene that was emerging in the mid-90s. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, and shout out to the Brickenwood, the Anthrax, like all those all those clubs and all those great legendary shows that happened before my time. Some of them my sister went to, um, but I, you know, I got my start at the Urban Jungle, which then become became the tune in and yeah. also would go down to the to the Nightbreed and to the um to yeah, and we'd even go up to Western Mass to like uh um Katina's and uh the Vertex was was also the Vertex like where I saw Morbid Angel and Crowbar and and um and a, and a ton of great shows, but being smack dab in the middle of the two you know two of the most legendary scenes in the world, you know between Boston and New York, it was it was always clear to me that we would have to work a little bit harder. We have to be real road dogs, and we'd have to put in the work. But if again, you know, with the with the legends and the the guys that kicked down the doors in those two scenes, you know, for us to uh, to be able to go through eventually. That was huge, especially I used to go down. I would take the train down, then take another train um, over to Lemoore, and I would go and hand out flyers outside of Life of Agony or Typo or Biohazard. Um, I went and saw a ton of shows there. And then I would go into the city. I would see shows at the Limelight, and I would see shows at the Roseland and at Seavey's. And I'd even go to, like, the Plunk and the Crust and the Grindcore shows um and and i and i saw at that time you a band like us we could grab people from every sub genre whether we you know if we played with final conflict or disassociate or, or if we played with machine head or if we played with life of agony or typo or biohazard it was kids from all the different scenes gave us love and and that's kind of the mission statement with milwaukee metal fest it's like the 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 unity is what makes us stronger and being open-minded and just going, well, you know, just because this guy's got long hair or this guy's got, uh, you know, a, a jacket with patches on it or this guy's got Liberty Spikes doesn't mean that their music or what they're doing isn't as important as what we're doing. You know, we wanted to draw from every crowd. So that's that's still the mission statement with this. And that's part of the reason why I feel like going forward, we'll even expand even into power metal and classic metal and and punk and crust and grindcore. You know, there was a talks there was talks early on like, yeah, let's get negative approach, let's get exploited, let's get uh, let's get um, you know, bands like Halloween or and, and Eternal Champion, and so we're gonna really have a diverse collective lineup. For next year but this year is really about the the meat and potatoes the hardcore the thrash the death metal and the grindcore you did oh man negative approach uh, they have evacuate live again it's been, it's been about 40 years i would love to see negative approach again live yeah and they're better than ever uh i i i've had friends that have seen them in the last year and they were just so pumped and they said the energy was great and they, it was so great to see all the old faces and people coming out of mosh retirement and 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 just getting that that just that like that fill of that awesome uh, energy that they're still bringing. It's great. 
it is. You know, Jamie, when do you go from being the guy who just wants to be in a band, getting up on stage, writing and playing music, to becoming you're really like an entrepreneur in the music business? You you produce, you have a podcast, you have the festival now. When do you, when do you have to diversify and say, I have to get involved in a lot of other fields if I'm going to stay in this industry? Because it's not that easy just to be in a band anymore and just be one member of a band. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of not so happy endings that we've seen from people in the music industry throughout the years and I've just and I've had a lot of great advice and a lot of people, you know, who've who've managed their way through some challenging situations in life because of their involvement in music and I I've been given some really good advice throughout the years where um where I've said this is this is how I'm going to stay alive. It's like this is how I'm going to create a better life for my daughter, and then this is also how I'm going to um, just I, – I don't want to say fight off the 9-to-5 because I, I have had some 9-to-5s that, that were rewarding. Um, but when you see an idea come to fruition, especially a crazy idea like producing a D. Snyder metal, re- metal record or, or putting together a, a podcast where you're going to interview people from another genre or, or – people that you would never talk to on a, on a normal everyday life situation. Um, people, people have thrown a lot of cold water on these ideas, but for, for every idea that gets, uh, you know, that gets rejected, there's one or two that will get legs and then you see people enjoy it and people support it. And it be, it, it's, it's so rewarding uh, in a sense where I think, yeah, if I can just keep this up, I can sort of fight off that uh, that demise that I've seen, you know, so many people have um, that I just don't want for myself. And and it's 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 not. I, I try not to be too much of a negative Neil, but it is a it is a grind, and it's a hard industry to be in. And you know, who knows what would have happened to some of our favorite bands who broke up, or or um, people who are no longer with us or people myself that, that I knew growing up, even my, some members of my own family who, you know, wound up dead or in jail, I would just always been sort of fighting that off. So it's, it's, it's not the night nine to five. It's, it's the, it's the grave or the, or the cell that I'm like, this, this keeps me out of there. It really does. It sounds cheesy, but I, I feel, I wake up every day with gratitude. I've, I've given my daughter a life that I never thought I would be able to give her. And that's all because of the, people that supported all these crazy projects and bands and, and music that we've done. And that is the most important thing. I had to be honest, I was one of those people too when I heard that you were getting ready to work with D and I had D on the show right after that record came out. I was like, I don't I don't see this happening. I just can't get the connection, you know? And the album comes <laughs> up, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, I really, you know, because you, know, you work with Ripper, when you work with Ripper, Ripper sounds like Ripper, you know, when, you, when you're working with him. That's what you expect from Ripper. But with D, you kind of brought him into a whole new audience right now, but yet, it kind of held on to his old fan base and that's a hard thing to do. And, and it worked. I was like, wow, I can't believe this. Yeah. The melody was key with that. I really got to give Nick and Charlie, uh, the credit and, and Howard and Mark Morton and Elisa. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that worked on that record with us and did collaborations with us that, um, that made sure that that melody through line was there and, and that those anthems and those meaningful lyrics that were there. So if you, so if you liked, uh, the OG Twisted stuff, or if you liked some of his um, solo stuff, there was going to be something for everyone on that record. And it was nice to see. I mean, even now, I, I recently I went on the Amazon reviews and I went on the Google reviews and it was 
still like 99% positive, uh, which is incredible. So hopefully we'll keep on keeping on and, and keep doing these projects. You know, that, that opened the door for us to produce the Corpse Grinder record, which is doing really well, and, uh, and the Ripper record, which now we, he signed on to do a full length. So we've done this EP, and now we'll have a full length. And now I have my new Jossa record, which is, um, you know, it's a kind of tongue-in-cheek title. It's called And Jossa for All. So a lot of those songs that I never uh, thought I was going to release, those will be coming out this year too. So I'm excited and I'm and I'm appreciative and yeah, we're just going to try to keep keep the ball rolling and get this uh, March Metal Meltdown rocking for March of 2024. And uh, and then hopefully have a new record for Hatebreed out next year too. That'll be fantastic, Jamie. I'm not going to keep. It. I know you you backed up with these things all day today, but. I'm looking forward to the March show next year. Milwaukee Metal Fist is going to be amazing next year also, but this year, starting on the 25th, you guys are jamming out with a bunch of your friends and the three days of killer metal, so everybody should be there and be a part of this. Good luck with the festival, and I can't wait to see you guys live again. Thanks so much, Mike. Much appreciated, and have a great rest of your day, brother. You too, my friend. Take care, Jamie. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Kindness and sweetness dies Trust myself, no one else Never bow, never break So I have it to the cemetery I have become a stinker I have become a stinker Like an animal, untamable I have become a stinker Like a savage, barbaric Fulfill my slaughter lust Transforms into dust Must fulfill
forgot about that. All right, there you go, Jamie Jasta. We still got Danny Hines of Weapon coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes. We'll get on a few more songs between now and then. But right now, let's do our demolition segment. Get that out of the way. This is a band called Dorian Gray. They had a couple of demo tapes out of, you know, the mid-80s, I want to say 85, 86. I believe the band was out of uh, Denmark. Uh, they went by Damien Gray, G-R-A-Y, and then Damien Gray, like the color gray, J-R-E-Y. Uh, so this is, uh, let me see, it's not the greatest sound of tape in the world, so let me see what song I can find. We'll do No Mercy, this is probably the better one on the record, out uh, of demo tape, excuse me, here you go.
Masters of Death, Power Lord. I apologize, before that, during the demolition segment, uh, the Dorian Gray was the one out of Texas here in the USA. This is one of the things I hate. So many bands had the same name at the same time, and, you know, I get confused when I upload them sometimes. I think I'm going for one, that I realized it was another. As soon as the music started to play, I was like, oh, damn, that's the one from Texas. But they were a good band. They had, like, a three-song demo tape out around 85, I think 86, but nothing else came out of that band. But they were a solid act, and I think, you know, if they kept it up, they might have had some more luck. All right, you know what? We're going to play some new Virgin Steel. I haven't heard it myself yet. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big fan of Virgin Steel, have been for a long time. They really haven't been much of a like a band, I would say, for decades now. It's pretty much just David DeFeast doing everything, all the instruments. I think Ed Pacino still plays some guitar. I don't even think he plays guitar on the whole album, but it's really just a David DeFeast side project these days, and you don't see them playing live anymore, and they really, I mean, the albums have become these long, drawn-out, you know, epical albums, like, based on either Greek mythology or Roman mythology or something like that, and I guess this one's no different. The Passion of Dionysus uh, comes out on Steam Hammer, June 30th. I'm sure we'll have David back on. He's a great guy to talk to. I love talking to him, but... You know, the songs on this record, I think the shortest one might be nine minutes. They go between like eight minutes and 13 minutes long. And they just like long played out, you know, 
songs, in my opinion. Let's get back to those classic four or five minute ditties that Virgil still were famous for back in the early days. Stuff that doesn't have to follow a storyline through and through with every record. But let me not say nothing until I hear it. Like I said, I haven't heard it myself yet. This is the first time I saved it for tonight. This is the shortest one I can get. It's like eight minutes long. Uh, so we'll play this, and then we're going to go right into some brand new weapon, and we'll talk to Danny Hines right after this. Blood from a black blade You are the product of my hate I am the one who lies in wait I am the loud of your estate I am the god who disagrees I am your king I ripped the pain from shattered lives I drove the lightning through your
investigation invading my domain. Infernal replication, sampling every frame, plagiarized adulation, hiding behind disdain, evergreen protestation, punishments all a fucking game. Soul-burning inquisition, wounds that will never heal. Death is an aspiration, sharing a harder seal. Venomous implications, bearing disorder seal. Life is an accusation, fighting for one last meal. Virgin Steel and Manowar, but I, I don't think as much as on that song. 
if you're gonna do like you know, Manowar, at least try to go back to Manowar's earlier catalog, not the later ever stuff. You know, it sounds like the Step Brothers of Manowar and that new version of Steel Record. But it is what it is. Some people will love it. Some people, eh, you know, what are you gonna do? All right, you know what? We're gonna get to new music by Richie Scarlett at the end of the show, but we have to get to my good friend Danny Hines right now from Weapon. They got a brand new record out called Nuclear Power. I think it's one of the finest to date. Let's get on a song off the new record. Talk to Danny, play another song, get on the Richie Scarlett song, and then wrap it up here tonight. Who do we have on next week here? Let me see. Uh, hey, we got Rocky Shades from Wrathchild. It's been a long time since I had Rocky on the show. He's always a fun talk, and he'll <laughs> divulge a lot of fun stuff, I'm sure. And uh, who else do we have on? Uh, oh, Rick Connault, uh, from Exodus guitar player. He has his new band, Die Humane. We'll talk to him. I just saw today Gary Holt. Gary Holt. Boy, I'm all tongue-tied here today. Uh, is doing a fundraiser for his brother who broke his back in a car accident in Italy. And he says his brother really needs the money, and he's not rich. He's a working blue-collar guy. Now, how can you be... And listen, I know Exodus weren't like, you know, some massive band who plays arenas and stuff like that, but you've been playing in Exodus for like almost 40 years now. That's all you do is play in Exodus. So you have to be making enough money playing in Exodus to support yourself and your family for the last four decades. On top of that, you spent about 10 years in Slayer. Now, I know you weren't a founding member, and you weren't getting an equal cut of the money like the other guys were, but you were getting paid. And you need to really do a fundraiser to raise money for your brother to have surgery. And then he writes down his brother works in a coffee shop and recycles cans to make money. I'm like, how did this guy go to Rome? How did this guy go to Italy? You know, recycling metal cans. I know, because I had a really good job for 40 years, and I could barely afford to take my family overseas, you know, if I had to recycle cans. So I'm just so sick and tired of these GoFundMe things. I feel bad that the guy got hurt in a foreign country. I know it's not easy. You don't speak the language. You're in one of the hospitals. You got to have surgery. You got to get home. I get that, uh, but there's a reason why you have to have a job of benefits. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say, and we'll leave that one alone. All right, but next week, we, like it says, we got Rick Conolt on the show, and we got Rocky Shades. All right, let's get on some brand new weapon.
Yo, Mike. Danny, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm so sorry, mate. I really got stuck in traffic out there. And my sincere apologies. Anyway. That's that's not a problem. We have traffic everywhere. <laughs> We're all used to that. <laughs> that's okay. We just have to keep it a little shorter today because I have somewhere to go. But I have no to problem. tell you, I'm I'm happy to talk to you again. It's been a couple of years. This new record, I mean, holy cow. <laughs> I don't want to curse, but I mean, this, I mean, defines the band in a whole new way, in my opinion. Oh, nice one. Good, good. I, I listen to it and I hear the classic weapon sound in there. It's always there in your voice, but yet it's such a modern, new sounding record on top of that. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Well, that, that was the, the, the kind of the plan behind that because um, obviously with uh, Jeff out of the band. Uh, I wanted to do something a little bit, uh, go back to my roots, but as you say, with a modern sound, like a classic new wave of heavy metal, but with a 21st century kick, as some oh, described as. That's, that's a great way of describing it, absolutely. But, you know, <laughs> after Ghost of War came out in 2019, I mean, were the plans and the works are ready to record this record with Jeff in the band, or did this is all come about after he parted ways with you guys? Sorry, I missed something. You broke up a little bit, Mike. Sorry. I said after Ghost of War came out, 2019, the world kind of went to hell after that, you know, with COVID and yes, yes. and the pandemic. But Jeff was still a part of the band back then. Was this album being worked on with Jeff at the time, or was this all new music that was created after he left the band? After he left the band. Wow. And yeah. he managed to keep that classic sound, which is really impressive. Well, yes. And a lot, a lot of it had to do with uh, the guy I'm working with now, um, uh, Robert Maid, who plays in the th- three Swedish bands. Uh, he's my sort of co-writer now. And, uh, you know, I, he, he just said, give me some lyrics and I'll give you some music, and which which I did. And I came back to him, you know, and then the two of us collaborated together. And I think he got a really, really, uh, really good uh, music. And then, of course, the guys he picked up to use, guitarists, uh, two Swedish guys, uh, and uh, I, I, I was knocked out with what they came back with, you know. It really is amazing how they really went back into the history of this band and, and I kind of thought about where it would go, especially with your voice. I, I think it's quite impressive. Is this going to be the new lineup of the band now? Sorry, you, you went again. Yeah, we're really losing the connection. This one yeah. for some I was going to say, is this going to be the new lineup of Weapon from now on? Well, I'm not sure yet because the two guys I use... Um, I, I suppose you could call them session guys. They're playing with different bands at the moment. I'm hoping to get them to do a showcase with me, um, and we'll take it from there. See how successful the album is. But I'd love to work with them because they're two sort of obviously a lot younger than me, <laughs> um, and they have great enthusiasm. And I just I love the guitar sounds, and they work really well together. They really did on this record. I mean, now that you have this opportunity, it's important to try to keep the band local to where you are. That way, it is easier for everybody to get together when they need to be. Exactly. That's that, that's the main thing. Apart from Tony, my bass player, who's uh, sadly having uh, treatment for prostate cancer. Yeah. Um, and but he, you know, he done all his parts from London, but he's not he's he's not uh, physically fit enough to to uh, go on the road yet. I think he'll come up more years uh, of treatment. Yeah, hopefully he'll be okay with everything with that. He's gone. Could you ever imagine, like, in 1980, that you would have members of the band in different parts of the world and you could all record your music together and put an album out that way? Not at all. Not in <laughs> a million years. And the fact, you know, it's a, a new wave of British heavy metal band, but 
I'm using Swedish guys. It <laughs> <Sweet laughs> makes it even stranger. And and Cole Wright were a Swedish guy. Yeah, um, that's yeah, funny. It's, it's really bizarre, but it's uh, it's given me a, just a, a fresh look at things, you know, because obviously when uh, Jeff decided to part company, you know, oh, sadly it wasn't on the best of terms. I, I'm not going to go into that, but it wasn't on the best of terms. And uh, I thought, oh, what's the point, you know, what's the point of carrying on with Weapon, you know, let me do something else. But then I thought, no, we had some gigs lined up and uh, I got some guys in to do them, you know, and, and I love I love doing the Weapon thing anyway. It's my baby and, uh, you know, let's see how it goes. But I'm, I'm really pleased how the album turned out. I thought that True. Really it has to be hard to kind of end it and put it to bed after making such a great comeback, you know, 15 years ago or so, you know, with Rising from the Ashes, Ghost of War, playing these festivals and having these shows done. It is kind of hard to leave it behind because that's kind of what happened, you know, the first time around. And when you think back to 1980, 81, 82, I mean, I remember we spoke about this the last time you we were on the show. Things just weren't going right with the band, with the management and, you know, not getting signed to a, a record label and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think maybe you kind of threw in the towel too early the first time and maybe should have wrote it out a little longer to see what might have happened? Or did you kind of know that that was it? Well, I think you're right. We, we, we should have carried on a little bit longer. But that, it was the disappointment after, you know, doing such a huge tour with Motorhead, you know. I mean, for, for a bunch of kids, it was just unbelievable. You know, had to come off a tour and, and then management just got a very small club day tour. Instead of putting us out with another band, you know, another major band, to capitalize, um, it was very disappointing. And then, of course, when they kept holding out for a record deal, you know, we we didn't have any money. There was no income, so we we couldn't do anything. Uh, and that's how it imploded. The only good thing that out of it was that we we remained friends, uh, and obviously came back together in two thousand five for the first time, the uh, uh, the Headbangers Ball. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's, it's my thing, and uh, it'd be very very hard to to give it up. Obviously, one day I'm going to have to, but not for a while yet. I hope. I I think you're good for a little while. <laughs> you're doing pretty <laughs> good out there, my friend. I wouldn't worry about that. But, you know, when you kind of think about 1980, I mean, everybody refers to it as a new wave of British heavy metal. It was really more of a movement than a specific sound or style of music that was taking place. It was more like the scene that was happening around everybody, but. Did you, any of the band that was emerging from like the late 70s, really think there was a chance that, you know, we, we can make it playing this music? Because it was completely new at the time. I mean, you're coming out of like basically the punk era in England back then where punk was kind of ruling everything and, you know, rock was coming back and now the heavy metal scene started to emerge out of all of that. It was so new, the music. Did you really say, hey, you know what? These labels are dying to sign bands like us, but they never heard our music before, what we even sound like or what this scene is all about. Well, the thing is, you know, we didn't form Weapon to be a new wave band. I mean, it, 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 nobody was aware of that genre. That was kind of really afterwards, you know, the name came out. We, we formed a rock band. That was initially our idea. And we just got caught up in the whole, that movement. Um, and it was very strange because people keep asking the same question, you know, was it great to be part of it? We didn't know we were part of it at the time. Like a lot of bands, you know. I mean, the the phrase came from, I think it was Jeff Barton from Sounds, um, about a year or two, maybe a year, 18 months, after all those bands were out, you know, I think that was 1981, maybe, he came out with the phrase, or late 80. So we didn't really know it was a, a movement. Well, what you say, it was a movement. 
but we didn't know it was the new wave of British heavy metal until quite late on, you know. That's true. And yourself, and I think Weapon, to me, were one of the most original out of all the groups that came out at that time. You kind of really harken back to that classic sounds of the 70s and put it with everything new that was going to go on. The sound really hadn't even developed yet, but you guys were, I think, at the forefront of that, taking what was old and what was new back then and creating something completely different. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. And the thing is with us, I mean, I, as a vocalist, I don't, well, A, I don't try to sound like anyone else. You know, I am what I am. But, you know, there's a lot of guys around that era all wanted to be, uh, sound like Ian Gillen, you know, and, and a, yeah. a prime example of that is uh, Bruce Dickinson. He's, he's got, he's got the, the pipes, as you say, for that kind of singing. I never sang like that, but a lot of bands in that era, and, and still today, all go for that, that, that kind of sound. And I think that's what set us apart, maybe to our detriment, you know, so that people wanted us to sound like somebody else. But, I, you know, our, our thing was a rock band writing good rock songs with good melodies and good harmonies. That was our thing to start with, you know, our starting block. Well, absolutely. And, you know, 82 comes around, and I guess everything kind of ended. And, you know, the next time I heard that you guys were kind of doing something, it was in 2005. I think it was a, a festival that you guys invited to go play, and you got that lineup back together again. But I do remember there being something at another point in the 80s where Weapon was trying to get back together, trying to make it happen. Was that the case? Because I really don't recall. Yeah, that's true. Um, when we imploded the first time, um, I thought, well, you know, this is silly, you know, let me try again. And we got another guitarist. We got, I got um, uh, Bob Siren, an old friend of mine, who played with Iron Maiden and uh, Prey Mantis, and a different drummer, because my drummer had gone to play with somebody else. Uh, I got John Phillips in. And we'd done a few gigs, but it just didn't feel right, you know. And then I we put that to bed, and then I think about the end of '82, I really wanted to continue a weapon, so I got a completely new lineup together. And again, it wasn't right, you know. You feel it, yeah. without particularly without Baz and Bruce, you know, the original um, rhythm section. Um, uh, so it wasn't, as you say, till 2005 that we got invited to play the uh, the Headbangers Ball in Germany. Uh, you know, we got the original guys together, and it was great. It was really we had a lot of fun. We done two gigs in London first, and then the ball, and uh, that's how we came back together again, full time. Me and Jeff, because um, uh, Baz unfortunately had an illness, and sadly he died a couple of years ago from it. Yeah. And uh, Bruce has been playing with um, Andy Scott Sweet for almost thirty oh, years. Yeah, a long time. So, you know, he, he ain't going to give up the books there. <laughs> so, uh, it just, uh, when, we, when we done the, the, the Headbangers thing, we thought, let's, let's try and write some stuff. I mean, we wrote some songs together, me and Jeff, and then probably we'll get a different uh, rhythm section in. And we've had two two rhythm sections since. So, uh, and, and that's going back so, to 2005. I mean, but it was almost 10 years later that Rise Up From The Ashes came out. Was there a lot of, like, ups and downs during those 10 years, or... It's maybe it was just undecided on where the band was going to go or what to do with it. Well, what we the, after uh, 2005, we didn't do anything until 2010, and that's when we got the first lineup together and recorded uh, uh, "Rising of the Ashes." Uh, it didn't come out till 2014 for some reason. Oh yeah, we got we got a uh, hit with the, the name shit. 
Oh, that's that right. Del- yeah, Weapon UK. Yeah. That that delayed it for a couple of years. Um, so uh, the album was actually ready in 2012, but you know, obviously with the legalities, we couldn't do anything. Um, so yeah, 2014, that 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 came that amazes me that a band who just came around <laughs> can say they own the name that you had like 40 years before them. I always love stuff like that. Well, I'll let you in a little secret. Um, that band split up about three months after all that went down. That was in 2012. So when I got a letter from their manager stroke lawyer saying, you know, you have to add UK because he'd, he'd, he'd gone under the radar and registered the name. Yeah. Um, which I hadn't I failed to do re-register, as you say. Anyway, um, he passed away 18 months ago, and uh, nobody re-registered names, so I've just done that. So it, we're now called Weapon. Back to Weapon again. I love back, it. Back to Weapon. <laughs> the, only, the only problem with this, they're going to confuse people. They're going to go, well, they haven't released anything, you know, since 1980, thinking that Weapon UK is a different band. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm making problems for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. That, cause sorry, he, sorry, if anyone's listening in now, Weapon UK and Weapon are the same band. Same band. People, should, fans should know. But you know what? There are a lot of new fans. And, and, you know, it's crazy, but there's a whole new generation of kids, you know, listening to our music again now. And they probably wouldn't know because they're so new to it. But do, do you find it amazing when you play a show that there's such a young audience now that are, like, going crazy for music you created when they weren't even born? It's incredible. It's incredible. I don't know if we, if we spoke about this the last time, but we played uh, uh, the Aero Rock Festival in Bulgaria in 2000. I think it was 2011, maybe 2012. And um, you know, I say 90% of the audience were like under 25. And we had this one kid come up to us, and he, he was 19. And he had a copy of Set of Stage of Mad Bad World that his father had bought. <laughs> In London in 1980. Wow. And uh, for pure chance, it was his father's birthday that day. So he, he said, Would you wish him a happy birthday if I ring him? I said, Yeah, yeah. So he rings his father, we go on the phone, you know, saying happy birthday to him. And he goes, Jesus. He says, I thought all you guys were dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very much alive. Yeah. Oh, that's unbelievable. You know, Danny, the last, like we said earlier, you know, the last couple of years have been really hard on, you know, everybody with, you know, everything going on in the world with the pandemic. But I think musicians kind of took the biggest hit of all because the venues that they play at and rely on shut down. They, you know, they they couldn't go to the studio to rehearse or record music. I mean, it was different in different parts of the world. Some were more locked down than others and others were able to do a little something. But I mean, do you ever feel like it kind of took the momentum out of the band? Because Ghost of War was such a great record and it started building up momentum and now everybody's waiting for the follow-up. But even though it's only been about three or four years, you know, that's a long time in the music business. You know, we kind of thought back in the 80s it would never end, and it ended. And then it came yeah. back, and, you know, things go in phases and in stages. So do you worry about such a long gap, and, and, and especially when it's out of your control? Totally. It was a, it was a dreadful time. And it's, and it's really hard now because a lot of venues close and never reopen again. And promoters won't take chances on bands. But musically, what I did was, again thanks to my friend Robert Major in Sweden. Uh, he was one of the only people that used to come and visit me during it because, you know, of the lockdown. And he'd come around like maybe every three or four weeks uh, have a coffee, you know, and it was him that got me back into writing because I was like, I just say everything closed down. It's just, and it was, it was mind-numbing just sitting here doing nothing. And uh, I actually done a solo album first with him during the pandemic. We wrote a, 
and uh, we kind of recorded it everyone separately obviously because of the, the pandemic yeah so th that gave me something to do you know and uh, I, I loved his, his writing anyway hence him co-writing with me on the, on the new weapon album his writing is incredible because like I said earlier he kind of embodies like you know the spirit of weapon and what it should be and that's totally. for, and, uh, you know like a guy that comes up to the band he's never played in the band before he's your friend he's worked with you he kind of knows you musically but you know, to take on like that, that spirit and that sound, I think that's really impressive. Because when I heard this, I first I says, I wonder if Jeff and Danny worked on this together before he kind of, you know, split yeah. with the band because it just has that sound like, you know, like old weapon, but like a modernized yeah, yeah. version of it. And I was really impressed when you told me that, you know, no, no, this was all after the fact. Yeah, no, Robert, he's, he's great. And he, and he produced the album as well. And it, on, on the album as well, like when I was... Uh, uh, gone for my lyrics, I have a, a box of lyrics and ideas, you know, that... I, I go to when I'm doing something. And when I was going through the stuff, I came across, uh, I, I, we, we recorded Remote Control as a demo back in 1980. That was written by Baz Downs, who, who died. And I wanted to do that properly, so we recorded that on the new album. But there was two other tracks that I found, uh, lyrics that me and Baz had been working on. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the music for them, but we had the lyrics, which is uh, In For The Kill and... Uh, uh, in for the kill and uh, take it or leave it. Uh, that me and Baz were writing on, and I thought, as a tribute to him, I'll put them in uh, on the album. And again, I handed them to Robert, and he can come back with great riffs and great, you know, melodies. And I just, I, I'm knocked out with that. It's, it's so bad. Yeah, the remote control sounds great on here. And, you know, there's the old demo version of the cut. I actually did that came out on the Set the Stage of Light compilation from, like, 2003 or something. It was on, like, yeah. the original version of it was yeah, on there. Like, and this yeah. is a really great version of that, that song. Yeah. Well, I, the thing, we when I recorded the demo, we recorded in the wrong key. It was too high. But it, it got a lot of energy. So this time we took it down a key. And, of course, with the, 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 the new guitarist sort of, putting their stamp on it. It just, it, it lifted the song. It just, it, it turned out brilliant. I'm really, really happy with it. And a great tribute to Baz. Have I lost you, Mike? I said, Danny, do you find yourself over the years having to change the keys around a lot as we get older? Because when I hear your voice on the new record, I'm like, Danny hasn't lost anything at all. But, you know, I know how hard it is like to maintain and keep things going. Uh, well, I, I haven't dropped... Drop the keys, really. I know my limitations. That's the difference, you know. And, and of course, working with someone like Robert, he writes in the keys that suit my voice. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to start doing screaming at my age, you know, because I never done that when I was younger. <laughs> I, I stick to stick what I know best. <laughs> I hear that. But this album really is more intense, I think, than any previous album before it. I mean, it's just out there. Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. It's and I absolutely heavy. love that. Yeah, really heavy. Uh, is there anything actually left over from the early days that maybe you want to revisit that you haven't already? Um, not really. You know, we, the the old recordings have been have been put out there. You know, by Zoom Club and uh, Pure Steel. So I know nothing else. Nothing. I would. I'd love to find some of the stuff that Baz was writing with me. Um, and maybe one day I will. His um, his sister has all his stuff. But, uh, you know, lots of his stuff. Um, but I'd need to go through all the tapes one day and see the fine stuff that we were working on. That's, that's what I'd really like to do. 
That would be amazing if that could happen. I also right. remember hearing a little while ago that you were going to release some of the old Motorhead shows, the audio from it. Did that ever happen? Well, what happened there was we found, again, Baz had one tape and, and Bruce, uh, the original drummer, had a tape from uh, two shows we'd done, Motorhead, one in Bristol and, and uh, a couple of tracks from Hammersmith Odeon. <clears throat> and uh, we, I got them digitized and mastered, you know, and a guy in Belgium offered to fund it and uh, got it all set up and all that. And suddenly this guy just disappeared. And it took me a, quite a while to trace him. And was like, oh, you know, things didn't go right for me. Blah, 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 blah. So never got them out there. But I, I will do one day. And I, the thing is, I, I could put it on CD now, but I don't want I wanted to go out on vinyl the way it should have went out in yeah. 1980s. You know, do it properly. But it's really funny to listen because it's, we sound like a punk band. <laughs> everything's so everything's so fast. And I think obviously we were younger, but I think playing to a motorhead crowd as well, you know, uh maybe we're a little nervous and you know but uh it, it they really sound great. But as I say, very very punky. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, you think I mean Motorhead were already an established band when you went out with them. Not for a long time, but they had a couple of years under their belt already and Lemmy for many more years before that. I mean, it must have been an experience being out on the road with those guys, especially the way they were back then. Oh, man, it was just... When, when we were offered the, the, the tour first, it was, I was kind of... Because I met um, uh, Eddie Clark. Uh, I, knew, I knew Lemmy from around London, you know, but I wouldn't say we were friends, but you know, obviously knowledge one another. Um, but the reputation that I had when we were offered the tour, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. This could be disastrous for us. <laughs> But uh, we went to their dress rehearsal before the tour started. And uh, someone, someone always said to me, you know, whatever you do, make sure you, you look after the, the road crew. Be nice to the road crew. Because, you know, particularly as a support band, if they don't like you, it could get messy. So I bought all the, the road crew drinks. So me too, we were friends with them. And then, of course, we hung out with uh, Motorhead. And they were really, you couldn't meet a, a nicer bunch of guys. Yeah, they had a reputation, but you couldn't meet them. I mean, Lemmy was such a well-educated, well-read guy. You would never think it back in the day, you know, but he was. And they treated us with the utmost respect, them and their crew. And it was just the best time ever, it really was. Yeah. Was it a difficult scene to be a part of back then? Because it was kind of emerging, but was there just a lot of bands and a lot of things happening to kind of make your way through? Because I always, you know, you, you scratch your head sometimes to say, how was it that, you know, band number A made it through and they were really not good at all, but band number B, who was amazing, kind of got left behind? I mean, was it just so much happening back then that it was kind of hard to get your foot in the door and make anything really happen? I, I think what happened was that once... Um... Once Maiden took off, you know, once, once they got their deal and they took off, every label wanted a new wave of heavy metal band. And it, it really didn't, to a lot of them, it, it didn't really matter what they sounded like, you know. It was just get a band. And it came to us, with us, it was between us and um, more. Um, Atlantic Records wanted both of us, or one of us, should I say. And for whatever reason, they went with more and spent from what I heard, like a half a million pound wow. in nineteen eighty. In nineteen eighty, that's a lot of money back then. <laughs> it was a lot. It's a lot of money today. It's, it's a lot. Uh, of money yeah, back, exactly. Even exactly. more back then. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, but that's the way it goes, you know. It's, you, you can't moan about stuff like that, you know. It's just the way things go, you know. But made were blessed 
in that they had a great manager and have still have a great manager. So small one. I think that's the key to it, is that, like you said, because I know you guys had the management problem early on. Like you said, they should have booked you on a different tour after the Motorhead one to keep the momentum going. Yeah. And Maiden had, you know, like Ross Smallwood, and he's they're still with him till today. And yeah. Metallica, who were involved with Q Prime management from very early on, like when they got signed to the majors, still with them today. I, yeah. I guess you really do need that, you know, that management support where they believe in the band and the band believes in them. It's an equal, it's an equal process. Yeah. You both got to have well, faith in each other, and, and you know they'll take you there. They're, they're a fifth or sixth member of the band. Yeah. And that's why you have to treat them. And that's, you know, the, it's the only way you do it. You can't, like what happened with us, you know, crap management, you know, you fall by the wayside. And we, you know, we after that, we tried to get different managers. We were stuck with these, these a-holes for five years. You know, we couldn't get out of the contract. Yeah. You needed Peter Grant back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was a nightmare. He okay. would have been the guy. Hey, but Danny, yeah. I, I could talk to you forever, but we got really started late today and I have somewhere to be yeah. at this time. But you did such a great job on this record. May 19th is the official release date on Pride and Joy yes. Music. And yeah. do you have anything coming up in the, like in the immediate future that you want to mention? Or Well, no, just push the album. That's what we want to do and see how, how that goes. You know. Um, and at the moment, I'm looking for a new agent. So if we get that sorted, then we can sort out a tour and I'll let you know about it well, but I I, again my, my sincere apologies for being late I'm never like that I know that's why you said I hope everything's okay but don't worry about it my friend we'll do this again one day and congratulations on becoming a grandfather thank you very <laughs> much Danny I appreciate that all the best to you all the you best to you and your family Mike have thank a great you. night my friend take care bye yes. bye all the best
brand new weapon, Drum Beats of War. I want to thank my guests, Danny Hines and Jamie Jaster for being on tonight's show. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday night for Rocky Shades and Rick Hanolt. It'll be a great show. All right, we're going to close it out tonight with some brand new Richie Scarlet. It's called Lips Like Morphin. I believe we're going to have Richie on the show sometime in June. I'm just trying to square away all the guests that are in the wings waiting for a time slot, and then we'll get that confirmed. So here you go. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. The real moms. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Strike me and drag me. <laughs>